0: This is episode number 95 with Charlie Hohen. The Melissa Ambrosini Show. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Me, Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Beautiful. Charlie Hoenn is the author of Play It Away, a workaholic's cure for anxiety, and he's also the author of Play For A Living. He is the head of video for Book in a Box and previously the director of special projects for Tim Ferriss. How cool is that? And Charlie has also spoken at the Pentagon TEDx and universities around the world. And in today's episode, we chat about his journey from experiencing anxiety, panic attacks, depression and burnout to where he is today. We also chat about the four common nutrient deficiencies that amplify anxiety, his unusual and hilarious technique for stopping panic attacks, the free tip to alleviate anxiety, his step-by-step plan for healing anxiety without drugs, how to turn your stress and worry into background noise, how to play and experience joy without the guilt, What play is to him plus so much more. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 95. And before we dive into today's episode, I want to read the review of the week. And that comes from Steph Powell and she says, OMG, amazing. I just finished listening to some pretty mind-blowing podcasts that speak to my soul right about now. have been loving these on my morning walks and in the car. Melissa, thank you for bringing us such beautiful, amazing content. Keep doing what you're doing, GF. Girlfriend! Yes, I will. Don't you worry about that. Thank you so much, Steph, for that beautiful five-star review. I am so grateful. And if you want to be the review of the week next week, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. And now let's bring on this super inspiring, this amazing human being, Charlie Hohen Charlie, welcome to the show. I am so excited for this conversation, but before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning?
1: <laughs> sure. Thanks, Melissa. Um I had three eggs and avocado. And uh, had had that alongside my nine-month-old baby daughter, and she had raspberries and avocado.
0: Oh, so cute! Do you only have one daughter?
1: I do. Yes, <laughs> and she's uh, proving to be more of a handful than I thought. Crazy!
0: <laughs> oh, the joys! It's it's a journey, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's she's really fun.
0: Oh, cute. Well, like most teachers and experts that I have had on the show, you didn't arrive here with a smooth path. And I'm sure you have had to go through your own stuff to get to where you are today, which is being an expert on play. So, can you take us back and share your story and how you got to where you are today?
1: When I was living in San Francisco, I hit this really turbulent period where every day I was stricken with these sensations that I'd never experienced before. Uh, This constant sense of dread, of anxiety, which I I hadn't really experienced at this level. Um, So palpitating heart, you know, uh, shaking hands, just constant exhaustion. And it was every day. And I couldn't figure it out for a really long time. And I remember seeing my doctor and them giving me pills that were going to help me sleep better. And I was afraid to take the pills because I thought they would be addictive and, and all this stuff. And, and this just went on for a long time. And I remember telling my girlfriend at the time, after she kind of broke down one night, and she's like, what is wrong with you? You know, you're not the guy that I remembered. And I mean, this is going kind of into the heavy stuff right away. But uh, I just remember telling her, man, I just I feel dead inside all the time and I don't know how to fix it. And I remember she started crying and I was actually jealous that she was crying because I couldn't make myself cry. I just felt kind of just numb. And this wasn't how I thought life should be because I was, and I I had been in these great positions, these great jobs. And I was in my mid-20s and I'd had a chance to work with uh, my heroes, my icons. I'd worked with guys like Tim Ferriss for years. I got to work with uh, Ramit Sethi, Tucker Max, and I got to advise these kind of big best-selling authors. And Then I worked at a successful app startup that did really well. And so I just didn't really understand how I'd gotten myself to this point. But a number of things had happened in retrospect. You know, I'd taken sleeping or anti-sleeping pills, basically a pill called modafinil, which modafinil was designed for military fighter pilots To keep them awake for multi-day missions, I'd taken it for four days in a row and only slept for six hours. In uh, when I was working, I'd I'd taken those pills secretly while working on an event that Tim Ferriss was hosting, and uh, I was I was put in charge of the event, and it was really exciting. All these people from all over the world were coming to join, and um, it was it was a conference about how to market your book and how to how to launch a book. And the conference went really well, but after that conference I hit a wall. And that was when I was struck with that with that period of anxiety and burnout really. And I had to, you know, a family member passed away shortly after a close friend attempted suicide and uh, a big project, uh, the deadline got pushed back six months. It was all these sort of changes, and just being f- having physically taxed myself secretly to the point of you know hurting my my own body and mind. Uh, that I I struggled with recovering from this for enough time that I had to quit working with Tim. I took a few months off and joined the app startup. And then I had to quit that shortly after. And I spent the next year struggling with debilitating anxiety, where I was just kind of holed up in my apartment and uh, struggling with these symptoms of panic attacks. And and no one really knew. No one really understood because I was able to put on A pretty good mask. Even my close friends were like, "Eh, "Maybe something's up with him," but they didn't really understand. So, to (laughs) I to make a a long story a little bit longer, the the breakthrough moment I had was when I read a book called Play by Stuart Brown, and it was the only thing that I hadn't really tried. You know, I I'd done meditation, yoga, every supplement you can list, therapy, flotation tanks psychedelic drugs, you you name it, I did it. And the only thing that made an impact was play. And when I incorporated that back into my life, and I'll talk about that later, but when I started to incorporate it into my life, that was the first thing that worked. And less than a month later, I had no symptoms of anxiety. I was just sort of back to my old self. And I've been that way since, and it's been five years.
0: Wow. And you're off all of the antidepressants and anxiety and all of those pills now? Yeah. Wow. I'm really excited to dive deep into this because in the past, I've dealt with anxiety and panic attacks and depression as well. And it really took hold of my life for many years. And it's it's something that not many people talk about. And my hope for today's conversation is that we can shine a little light on this topic and help people see that there is light. And because a lot of people are suffering silently. My wish is that no one suffers alone. Well, no one suffers in general, but let alone suffering alone is just, you know, it really pulls on my heartstrings. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you are dealing with anxiety or panic attacks or depression, like I just want everyone listening to know that you're not alone. You're not alone. And it's not something to be ashamed of, or there's nothing wrong with you. You know, so many people deal with these things to varying degrees, and we're going to dive into your secret weapon later, which is play, which I'm so excited to chat about. But before we go there, you talk a lot about the three common nutrient deficiencies that amplify anxiety. So what are they?
1: Yeah, so before I, I kind of say what those three nutrients are that tend to be associated with anxiety or a lack of those nutrients, I'll just say that um, nutrients, it's an easy thing to go after. And if you're only focused on nutrition, you know, every, every, uh, if, if nutrition is your only hammer, right, your only tool, everything looks like a nail. And so you want to solve everything with nutrition, which is a great place to start. Uh, but often it's a holistic issue. There are other factors of your life. So this is one piece of the puzzle is what I'll say
0: Oh, absolutely. We've got to look at every area the, yeah this is just one piece you know you've got to make sure you're meditating and, and you're adding in the play which we'll talk about soon but this is just one piece of the pie absolutely
1: right yeah so um, a few of the the nutrients or the supplements that can be really helpful to somebody who is uh, dealing with, more intense symptoms of anxiety. Uh, Vitamin B12 uh, makes a big impact. Omega-3s also help quite a lot. Um, Some other ones that are really strongly recommended just from my own personal use are uh, magnesium. There's a good product called Natural Calm that a lot of people swear by.
0: Me included.
1: Yeah, there you go. So ashwagandha is also... uh, Considered a very effective route. Uh, the, the The thing is, for all of these, they take like a week before you start to notice anything. And you know, maybe start off with vitamin B twelve and omega three. See how that does for a week. For me, it made a pretty big impact. It was pretty clear. Um, and by the way, side note: I'm not a healthcare professional. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a dude who went through these things and had to do a lot of research on my own. Um, but it's they're, they're worth testing out. And it's a relatively cheap, easy way to start making little improvements to your state of mind.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, those supplements are really powerful and I highly recommend. And I say this on my show all of the time. Don't just go out and start buying something and start taking it like See an amazing, holistic functional medicine practitioner. get the data, get the results so that you know what you're working with. I work with um Dr. Stephen Cabral, who's been on this show and he's amazing. He's a board certified naturopathic doctor. He includes kind of naturopathy, herbalism. He's also a doctor and he includes Ayurvedic medicine as well. So he's very holistic, which is awesome. And when I got my test results back from him, I had such high cortisol levels which was causing this ang- this anxiety and panic attacks. And so a lot of the things that he has put me on are, you know, bees, omegas, the natural calm, the ashwagandha, all of these things. But I really, I don't want anyone to just go out and start taking these things without uh, guidance and advice. Like, please, you know, see someone like Stephen and get the tests and Get the data and, and make sure you're being guided by someone who really knows what they're talking about and what they're doing. Cause I have been there before and I've just gone out and I've just bought things over the counter and started taking them and ended up doing myself a lot more harm than good. So I highly recommend if you are feeling anxious and panicky and depressed, go and get the results. Like do the tests so that you know what's going on. Cause I had no idea that my cortisol was through the roof.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's it's stress. It's constant stress. It's con- it, it, a lot of people who are dealing with anxiety are in constant fight or flight mode. They kind of view the world through this lens of they're about to be attacked, or they went through something pretty traumatic that they don't want to face head on. And so, I'm actually curious, Melissa. You mentioned that you you know struggled with anxiety for a bit. What is your backstory in that regard?
0: Well, I remember it was about year 11. So however old you are then, like 16, I think. I think that is when I had my first panic attack. And I remember I was working on a big English assignment. And this was when we had floppy disks. Do you remember what they are?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just the mention of floppy disks is enough to give somebody a panic attack. Yeah. (laughs)
0: remember those things and there might be a lot of people listening that don't know what floppy discs are if you don't know what a floppy disc is google it so I remember I had just finished this massive English assignment and it was all saved on my floppy disc and it went corrupt I lost the entire assignment and I literally remember sitting there and this was like a final piece for my final exam. And I remember sitting there and like my whole body got hot and tingly and my heart started racing and I was getting really short of breath and I just started like crying and uncontrollably like my parents came in and they were like, what is wrong? And I just could not stop. And I was so anxious and so, and it didn't, It didn't stop. Like I, I couldn't stop it. And even then, throughout the night, I'd wake up having anxiety attacks in night over my study. And that was kind of like the first one that I remember. And then during year eleven and twelve, it got so bad that I was on sleeping pills. And then that caused me to become a little bit depressed. And so then I was on antidepressants for a little while. And it was just this downward perpetual cycle. And it wasn't until I did what you said before. Is like, I, I started meditating and doing yoga and fixing up my nutrition and getting happy and healthy again and incorporating play into my life that I finally experienced this thing called inner peace and contentment. And I'd never felt that before.
1: I'm going to guess you're you're an achiever, right? You're a type A person.
0: I am a type A Aries, overachiever, pitter, body type that is very go, go, go and driven. And, you know, that that's sometimes to my detriment.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, first of all, I want to say I totally relate to the story that you just told of losing the file due to a corrupt disk. I mean, I I remember talking to a friend not more than 2 weeks ago about isn't it amazing how Google Drive just saves your stuff? You never have to click file save and you just know that it's okay in the cloud. Like I distinctly remember having almost an exact same scenario my senior year where I was writing a a, a term paper and the computer crashed not once during this ten-page paper, but twice, and I had to rewrite this ten-page paper three times, basically in one night. And the second time it crashed, I just burst into tears. I like, it was it was so late; <laughs> I was just so exhausted. Uh, technology's come a long way, uh, but it, it, for the achievers, like it also means we can work, 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 and so um uh, achievers especially like uh, we have um it's our greatest strength and can be our our downfall as well so balancing it out especially with play the the basically the opposite of not not work but the opposite of i guess depression or anxiety is is really helpful
0: Mm. you have an unusual technique for stopping panic attacks can you share that with us
1: yeah, I mean, this is what I used to do back in the day when nothing else worked. And like, I was like, I don't want to call. I never called uh, the paramedics or anything, but there was one time where I was like, I have to be sure that this is not like something more serious. And so I went to the hospital. And of course, they were like, you're totally fine. Um, and this is the frustrating thing about panic attacks, right? For anybody who's had them, they're really frightening. Like, it, for, I mean, I'm, Sure, plenty of people listening have faced difficult challenges in their life where they had to be courageous and brave. But when your own mind starts deceiving you into thinking that you might be having a heart attack or going crazy or dying, and it's very real, and you take those thoughts very seriously, uh, it's it's frightening, especially because of how powerful our minds are. Right? We've all heard of the placebo and the nocebo effect you know the nocebo melissa
0: yeah absolutely and i've taken myself to hospital a couple of times because i felt like my throat was closing over i felt like i was i, I couldn't breathe and like i felt like i was i was going to die
1: yeah these are all really common common symptoms of panic attacks they suck they're not fun so one of the things that I started experimenting with after just, just out of sheer desperation, almost, uh, after experiencing a couple of panic attacks was, uh, and once I, I, you know, learned about being more playful and incorporating that in, I would start to verbalize all the thoughts that I would have. And I would do them in ridiculous voices. And, uh, whether, whether it was, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or just like, the the Muppets Swedish Chef or or Jim Carrey's Ace Ventura whatever I did them in ridiculous voices to mock them to, to to try and take the the power out of them and to just laugh at myself and I would just do this for like sixty seconds and then it would start to calm me down and I know a lot of people are like you know, they've gotten the advice from their doctors of like, breathe in four blocks. So you, you, you breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for four seconds, you breathe out for four seconds, you hold that for four seconds. And other, other people are told like, oh, the tapping solution, you know, you tap your, your fingers in, in certain areas and that reduces your anxiety. I've tried these things. It just didn't resonate with me. Even if you know what's going on, in your head, and you're like, if I just follow these rules, the panic attack will diminish. For me, what worked was that silly exercise plus just drinking water to kind of regulate my breathing, like slowly drinking a large glass of water. And those two things alone did did a lot of good.
0: Mm, that's such great advice. And, and two things that don't cost you any money you know drink drinking water and making silly voices at your inner critic's thoughts two things that we can all do today you know it doesn't you don't have to go out and get the drugs you know this is something that we can try today so i love that you also have a step by step plan for healing anxiety without the drugs can you share that with us
1: the first step of the process i really strongly feel is removing your anchors. And so these are the things that are continually pulling you down into a state of anxiety or up, depending on how you think of it. I mean, anxious people certainly have can have a lot of energy. Um, So whatever's putting you in that state, you have to make an assessment. What are the triggers here? For me, some of the triggers ended up being there there were uh, a number of stimulants I was taking, like it, it had become the norm because I lived in San Francisco, which is the city of overachievers and hustlers and grinders.
0: So I should definitely not move there ever?
1: Well, it, it's a great four-day city, as is New York, uh, but I don't necessarily recommend living there, so... Um, though a lot of people disagree, obviously, but, uh, for me, it was just too much. And the culture of the entrepreneur out there is really strong. And so when I was taking modafinil or drinking four to five cups of coffee a day, that sort of became the norm and coffee, caffeine, really not just coffee, uh, it blocks the receptors in your body that tell you it's time to be tired. It's not injecting a ton of energy into you. It's just shutting off those receptors so that you stay energetic. And if you're continually doing that day after day, you're depriving yourself of being of resting. And so you you get into this fidgety, overstimulated state. And um, so it, cutting out the coffee for me was a big one. I was, uh, you know, weed had was like pseudo legal out there. So I was smoking occasionally on the weekends and stuff and uh, also drinking with other people who had just as crazy and chaotic of schedules as me. I mean, my my friend worked for a tech company and he was so into it that he would literally get home at one to two o'clock in the morning. And wake up at 5.30 in the morning. And he, I mean, it was it was crazy for a while. And no one was like, you know, putting a gun to our head to work this hard. It was a choice. We chose to work this hard. And it was a cultural thing. So like peeling back and assess, assessing honestly your behaviors of what could be causing anxiety is the first step. Other, other things are like apart from removing stimulants are toxic people when how often when you interact with certain people on your day-to-day are you feeling anxious because every time you interact with them it's it feels like you you can feel the cortisol right like you feel the the butterflies in your stomach that's cortisol flooding your system. That's adrenaline, uh, that's getting you going. So you have to be just aware, aware of those things and not continually resisting them. And women generally are much, much better at being in, in tune with their body. Their intuition is much stronger. Uh, men in particular need help in, in recognizing this with themselves. They need to sort of be called out. So I, I list a few things in the book along those lines under removing anchors as areas you need to take a hard look at in order to assess, all right, what are the things that are are putting me in this state to begin with?
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And as you were talking, I was thinking about, I had never drunk coffee in my life. Last year, no, sorry, the year before, I did about a year of uh, coffee and- I was an amazing sleeper. Like my husband jokes that I could go to the Olympics for sleeping because I'm so good at it. Like I get into bed at like 8:30, my head hits the pillow and in 10 minutes I'm out. I go into this deep REM sleep and for 8 hours and I do not move. And I wake up in the exact same position and he's like, "How do you do that?" And then I did this year of coffee when, you know, when Bulletproof coffee became really popular, I started doing it. And the first thing that went was my sleep. And I didn't know at the time, I'm like, why am I not sleeping as good as I was? Like, what is going on? Like, I'm usually so good at this. Like I'm a gold medalist sleeper. Like what's going on? And then it wasn't until I stopped having it that my sleep came back and I thought, oh my gosh, it just doesn't agree with me it does not re- agree with me for an overachieving type a anxious person like it was just set me off it was a definite anchor for me that I needed to remove and I cannot tell you like my sleep has come back and it's so much better but another thing that you mentioned was the toxic people and there was one person that came to mind for me and immediately when I'm in that person's presence. I feel cortisol swim through my veins and I am such an intuitive, sensitive being that I literally can feel when my cells have cortisol in them and it's not so much isolated to just my stomach, I can feel it in every cell of my body. And so becoming really aware of what are your anchors, what are the things that set you off Maybe make a list for everyone listening, make a list of everything that sets you off. Maybe it's the coffee or the alcohol or the toxic people or a particular TV show. Like for me, I can't watch violent shows. I can't watch guns and fighting and I cannot watch it because literally my heart starts to race and I start to feel anxious. It just it's it's an anchor for me. So write down what your anchors are and then at least you're aware of it and then you can remove them from your life. So, I love that step-by-step plan for healing the anxiety without drugs.
1: I just wanted to mention I'm so glad you brought up the the violent media. A huge anchor for me, a huge one was the news. And I'm not talking about like watching Fox and Friends or any TV news like the news that I was clicking on the internet, like which is basically any article. And just notice if you're struggling with anxiety, like notice if you're looking for articles and often reading articles that talk about threats to your well-being. So go through your history and if you're reading a bunch of health articles about how you're getting sick and dying or uh, how how society might crumble. <laughs> if you're if you're focusing your attention and energy, on threats to your survival, you're going to be anxious. And so cut that stuff out of your life for a while and reintroduce different media. So I talk in the in the book about uh, a news diet basically where you switch to anti-news, which is stuff that lifts you up and brings you more into a loving, peaceful, abundant state. However you want however you want to describe it, but think think the effect that pixar movies have on you versus watching the news right it's a massive difference in your your state so pay attention to that stuff because your diet isn't just what you eat it's what you watch and what you hear
0: thank you so much for mentioning that it's so important I am the same, you know, I fill my mind with inspiration and wisdom, like amazing podcasts like this one and inspiring books and, you know, music, you know, that's what I choose to fill my mind with. I don't, I don't go out seeking this violent and aggressive stuff that is just not going to serve anyone. And I think it's really important that we should mention social media here as well, because if I am feeling a little bit anxious and sensitive, sometimes my Instagram feed can set me off. That doesn't mean that I have violent or aggressive people that I follow. Everyone I follow is really inspiring and entrepreneurial and you know, happy and inspirational, but it's the sheer... Intake of information that can overwhelm me and set me off. So again, like that is sometimes a trigger for me.
1: Yeah, it's it's a trigger for me as well. I mean, I started to wean myself off of Facebook with uh, the Facebook News Eradicator, which is a plugin that just gets rid of the newsfeed. Um, so you're not bombarded with stuff there. Uh, but for people who want to take it a step further, I mean, this is not a great big secret. I'm sure you've heard this before. Like, Just take it off your phone. Deactivate your Facebook account for a while. Delete those apps for a stretch and treat yourself like you were treating somebody else. Like if somebody, if your good friend or your family member came to you and described the symptoms that you're feeling of anxiety, crippling anxiety, what would you tell them? You would probably tell them, hey, if your trigger is Facebook and Instagram and Twitter or whatever, get rid of it for a while. Just try it for a week. Treat yourself like you're somebody else because it's hard if we, we come up with all these different excuses and narratives for ourselves when we're treating ourselves, right? We treat our dogs better than we treat ourselves. So treat yourself the way that you would treat somebody else and get rid of that stuff for a while.
0: I don't have any apps besides Instagram on my phone.
1: You don't have a single app? No. <laughs> social
0: media apps, social media app. So I don't have Twitter. I don't have Facebook. I have Instagram, but I don't have any of the notifications turned on. So that is another thing that has really, really reduced. It's really reduced my stress, my anxiety, and my panic. So that's another thing that everyone could try is just turn off all of the notifications.
1: It's super easy to do. I totally agree with that suggestion. It's such a game changer. Like I even turned off the little icon on uh, my messages, my text messages, so I don't even see those when those come in right away. Which can be problematic sometimes, but most of the times it's not. It's just it kills the uh, reactive impulse that you have.
0: Oh, I didn't even know you could do that. I'm gonna do that. Yeah. Okay, that's that's one that I didn't turn off because I didn't know you could, but I'm definitely going to turn that one off as well. So thank you for all of these epic tips. They're awesome. I wanted to shift gears a little bit to stress because Tony Robbins says your book is the cure for your stress, and stress is such a common thing these days that we deal with. So, how do you turn your stress and worry into background noise?
1: Yeah, so Tony, it was pretty cool. I've never met Tony. He tweeted an article that I wrote, which is a direct excerpt from the book. The section that he talked about basically was what I wrote uh, initially, which, which led to the book. So a bit of backstory. I decided to share my story in 2013 on my blog. So I wrote this thing up. I put it up called How I Cured My Anxiety and didn't really think much of it a, of, apart from like, hopefully this helps some of my readers. And it's still to this day, I think the most popular, actually, it's the second most popular thing I've written. It's been the number one search result on Google uh, all around the world. If you look for anxiety cure or cure anxiety. So I get a lot of people coming to me uh, wanting to figure this out. And the, the post, All it outlines is the shift in mindset. So you can quite literally, not figuratively, literally turn stress into background noise or even something you enjoy if you view the world as a playground rather than a prison or a battleground, which is what a lot of people struggling with anxiety or a proving ground, as my friend Gwen Gordon likes to put it. A proving ground for anxi- anxious people, achievers, is this sense that you're in this race that you're never quite you know, keeping up with, that you're never going to win. And so you're constantly trying to prove yourself to get love and acceptance, and you never quite get it, right? And it, for, for a lot of people, life becomes... Uh, almost a prison when they're dealing with anxiety because every task feels like indentured servitude. Uh, the The things that you need to do become so difficult and challenging because you feel so miserable. you feel trapped. But having that mindset shift to being more playful, rather than being so serious, <laughs> rather than taking everything so seriously, uh, which I'd never done you know when we're kids, we don't take life all that seriously. It's just something to to play with. And if we're lucky if we grow up in a, in a secure environment and we have parents that take care of us and we have a friend or two at school that are looking out for us and we trust the world, we grow up to be playful. that's sort of our natural state. you know human beings, then we're called homo sapiens, which means man, the wise. But there are some sociologists that think we should be called homo ludens, which means man, the player. We're one of the most playful species on the planet. We play 24 seven if nature really runs its course. But with how modern society is structured, it makes it very difficult to go through life. 100% playful all the time. You know, we got bills to pay we're we're brought up in a in a society that tells us you got to work until the end of your life so that you can enjoy the end of your life and only then can you enjoy the end of your life and if you're really lucky you'll you'll only get to enjoy it after you're dead right when you're in heaven and so everything is is about delayed gratification and keeping up with everyone else by making purchases and you got to snap yourself out of that Being a human being is not about achievement. It's about being. That's why it's human being. So being playful is, I think, humanity's natural state. And if if we make that choice collectively and as individuals, the world is a much less anxious, much less depressed place much more communal, much more accepting, inviting, loving, caring. And it really is a choice to see the world as a playground or a prison. And you can choose it at any moment. And
0: for someone like myself and you who are these type A overachievers, I don't know about you, but in the past, I have felt guilty sometimes for playing and not working, even though I know it's my highest work, I know it's my deepest work, it raises my vibration. And I know how important play is and how important having fun and living my life is. But how do you do that without the
1: guilt? It's a great question. The answer, I think, lies in one, recognizing that, hey, for some reason, I feel guilt when I allow myself to experience joy in the moment, why is that there? And maybe doing some journaling around that and, and trying to understand why that's there. Why is that belief there? I mean, for a lot of us, it was it was put there by something, and maybe it's the culture, maybe it was the fact that, hey, in fifth grade, they said you can't do recess anymore, you gotta sit still in a chair, and that that belief has been there since you were 12. Whatever the case is, you have to acknowledge that, that that guilt is there and it's protecting you for some for some belief that you have. Maybe it's, I'm, I'm worried uh, I'm going to lose my job. I'm worried that uh, it's, it's not going to be attractive. The reality is, like you said, Melissa, for one, your best work, your best work comes from play. I mean, I got myself into those dream jobs of mine By starting from a place of play, I was, I was, no one was hiring me when I was applying for all these jobs and I was taking it seriously and I was applying the traditional way. It didn't work. And so I approached people that I admired and I said, Hey, you're doing great work. I want to do great work with you. And I have some ideas. Here's, here's some things that we could do together. And I just had a good pitch, but I came to them from a place of like, Hey, I want to be a part of your game we could make it better together and that worked really well and my best work personally I I do a lot of video uh, editing production shooting all that stuff is very playful creative and I do great work when I'm having fun and so the other belief is that maybe it's not attractive maybe it's gonna look childish right where we feel guilty because it's like I don't want to be perceived as childish. For one, on an evolutionary level, the, the, in the top three most attractive traits for both sexes, for both men and women, is, is the other person playful. Is this potential mate playful? Playful is a sign of mental health. It is a deep signal that can't really be faked we can detect very quickly if somebody's actually playful if they're if they're lighthearted if they have a good sense of humor if you know if they're fun we can detect that and that's extremely attractive because it is an evolutionary signal that not only are they mentally healthy they're safe to be around children they're safe to be or to to help raise kids so both sexes find that very attractive and again, our best work truly comes from play. And that's what led me down the path of uh, making the follow-up book to Play It Away was Play for a Living, where I started to discover while I was making Play It Away that our best workers, uh, the people who've contributed the most to civilization, people like Thomas Edison, Albert Einstein, Steve Jobs, J.K. Rowling, Shigeru Miyamoto, Plato, Mark Twain, you name them. They all viewed either their work or their life through this lens of play, through them playing their own game, making up their own game, and trying to make it bigger and better. And you can go really far in life if you have a strong purpose for your work. You can go pretty far too, working out of pressure just to pay the bills. But the people who go the furthest, the people who make the biggest dent in the universe and contribute the most to civilization, tend to be the people who are self-motivated. They're intrinsically motivated by a sense of fun, that they're playing a game that's really fun and they want to keep it going. That is the strongest motivator for performance is, is this play? And it's followed by purpose and then followed by pressure. So all the all the talk which I hey, I completely agree with Simon Sinek. I love start with why. I love finding your why. I think that's really important. I think it's more important to start with play and to actually tap into what is fun for you.
0: I so agree and I've, you know, realized this in my own entrepreneurial journey that I did. I I really have a very similar story to you in the fact that, you know, I was really going for it and, you know, foot on the accelerator. But I realized that it it burnt me out and that play was such a big part of my life. And, you know, now my goal for this year is like how much fun can I have and how kind can I be? They're two of my goals for 2018. How much fun can I have every day and how kind can I be to myself and to others? I would love to hear though, what is play for you? Like, because it's going to look different for every single person. So what's play for you?
1: I love this question. And I'm going to ask you the same one after I answer. (laughs) So uh, for me, and this this is my favorite exercise from the book, it's really fun, is to sit down with a pen and paper and do your play history. And your play history is all the activities you did growing up for fun. When adults were not forcing you to do them, they weren't judging you, so they weren't watching when you were doing them. They weren't grading you, and they weren't paying you money to do them. They were the things that you were drawn to because that's who you are, right? You said you're an Aries achiever, so you're going to have different ones slightly for me as uh, as a, a male Gemini achiever, Uh, My games, when I went through my play history, I had a history of playing catch a lot growing up, playing catch with my dad. I played baseball for 12 years. I really loved the game. I played Home Run Derby a lot in my backyard with friends. Um, I filmed sketches with my friends. I filmed funny movies with them. Um, I, I loved building things with my hands. And I, I just loved creating any kind of art, just being creative. That's just who I am. But again, it's it's different for everybody. So if you have to get in touch with old friends of yours, childhood friends, if you're having a tough time remembering, uh, I, I mean, one of the things that I used to do was I used to sit in my room all day long and organize baseball cards to be in the perfect order, and. It's not really a surprise that I love video editing as much as I do. i mean, i'm I'm very meticulous. I'm kind of uh, a perfectionist, and um it, video editing kind of blends all these nice things together for me. and so for for me, what I started doing when i when I first started playing again and overcoming kind of these feelings of anxiety through this method that no doctor had recommended to me. Um, I I initially started just by playing catch, having catch meetings instead of let's sit down over coffee and drink stimulants and trying to impress each other meetings. We would just play catch in, in the park for a little bit and talk over that. And that was really peaceful. That made a big impact that helped a lot. And then I started going to play home run derby on the weekends with a friend of mine And we would hit balls at a a local baseball field. That was a ton of fun. And then I signed up for improv lessons. And that made the biggest impact. And to somebody with anxiety, improv sounds like a nightmare, right? Like, oh, I'm just going to feel even more stressed out now. This is great. And I'm going to have to perform and be witty in front of people. But that's not what improv is about at all. Improv is really the practice of being a human of staying in the moment and being in that state of childlike joy and discovery that you experienced when you were little and also becoming aware of how heavily you criticize yourself in your mind how you're constantly editing yourself in life as it's happening you're saying no to things you're saying not good enough all the time and improv really forces you to recognize that in yourself and be cool with it be be okay with failure in fact embrace failure because the whole point is to see if you can break the game you know you you do these little games with each other and just you try and make each other laugh or you just try and stay present you don't you don't think beyond the moment you just stay present and be honest and it leads to some really funny results you don't even have to try to be funny so improv was really the one that tipped me over and uh made the biggest impact and, and kind of set me free in a lot of ways.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Sounds really exciting. I used to do a lot of acting and you've made me want to look back into doing some of that.
1: Well, acting's very different, you no? Know? I mean it's it's more competitive.
0: Yes, but when we did acting classes, we did a lot of improv. We did a lot of like role playing and theater sports, and that was so much fun. Like you said, like it is So much fun. I love that. It brought me so much joy. And for me, I am a performer. I've been a performer since the age of three. I was a dancer and I did acting and singing and TV presenting when I got a bit older. So for me, that was what I did. We put on shows in our garage for our family. That's what we did. Like I got all of my neighborhood friends to come together and we'd put on full shows. And this year, a couple of months ago, my husband and I started, we got into ballroom and Latin dance lessons. So we've started dance lessons together. And for me, that is just bringing me so much joy. It's so much fun to do something that is not work related. And it brings me so much joy moving my body like that. I just absolutely love it. So I love this idea of working out, you know what is play for you and almost like creating a little play menu and sticking it on your fridge and doing at least one thing from that list every single day i think that's a really powerful thing that we can all start to do
1: yes absolutely i love that you said that right is a huge recommendation for a lot of people when they're struggling with anxiety or depression is just get exercise but Exercise in our minds is often associated with like a task, a miserable task of like jumping on the treadmill and running on it like a rat for a half hour. And that's that's not fun. You have all these fun options. Like you mentioned, dance. You could play tennis. You could do any number of things that get your body moving in a way that you actually enjoy. And there's no shame in that. So pick something that you actually like. Great advice.
0: What do you attribute your success to?
1: I have a tough time with questions like that because I keep moving. And if I had to say anything, I would say just keep moving because it's a lot easier to go from one mile an hour to 10 miles an hour than it is to go from zero to one. And I think a lot of people that are struggling with achieving stuff. Uh, they're they're trying to do either too many things at once, so they're going nowhere in every different direction, right? They're they're pulling themselves in too many different directions, which, believe me, I've been there. Uh, sometimes for years at a time, and um, or they're just uh, they're they're not moving at all. So just get moving, and you can get wherever it is that you want to go. I mean, uh talking about what you were saying about Facebook and Instagram, you look at people's highlight reels, basically of all the awesome things they're accomplishing. Like, Oh, uh, they got perfect kids and a perfect family, or they, they just wrote uh, a book good for them. Or they're, they're working on their pet project and they're pursuing that. I mean, I have a friend right now who is literally building, uh, an entire plot of land. he's building out on an entire plot of land that he bought, in uh, California. And it's amazing. Like he's this really handy guy. And every time I see it, I'm like, man, that's so awesome. I wish I could be doing that. But if if you're just daunted by all those things and they don't motivate you, they just depress you, you're just not going to move. So just pick something and move toward it. And that's really the only advice I have.
0: That's perfect. And maybe play. Maybe play is what has really helped you.
1: Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. You set me up nicely for that uh, (laughs) answer, Melissa, but I chose to not uh, (laughs) take the bait and just turn it into my own personal nonsense. (laughs) So thanks for for
0: trying. (laughs) No, it's all good. I'd love to turn the spotlight on you a little bit more now. And I'd love to hear what's one thing that's bringing you the most joy in your life right now?
1: Oh, I mean... (laughs) For sure, it's uh, my my baby daughter, unquestionably, and I mean, every day is something new. It's it's hilarious uh, and 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 funny, and not like a haha way, but funny of like wow, it's it's just amazing to see a human being grow into having a personality and preferences and like waving back. I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable. It's, it's so, it's, it's magical. Uh, So just experiencing that with my wife each day is, is really just, it's a privilege. I did not think I would be able to experience this early in life or I had not planned on it. So it's, it's been wonderful. Mm, So beautiful.
0: Now, I believe that we're always growing and evolving. And I'd love to hear what's something that you're working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment?
1: Yeah, so I love this question. So for me, one of the big things I'm I'm trying to, to get better and back to is sort of this holistic health thing. So I... Like Because I actually really am fortunate enough to love my work now, which has not always been the case. Believe me, I've spent years doing things I thought I needed to be doing or just didn't really enjoy all that much. But I'm in a fortunate position now where I really like the work that I'm doing. But the problem with that is I often find myself sitting for a really long period of time. And so the thing to answer your question, the thing that I'm getting back into the groove Is really being intentional about moving a lot during the day, stretching, doing high intensity uh, interval training, uh, doing some strength conditioning and just taking good care of myself because I want to live a long time and uh, I want to feel great while I'm doing it.
0: That's a good one. It's something that I'm mindful of as well. You know, Sitting is the new smoking. So I'm constantly up and down in my stand-up desk. I'll sit for a bit and then I'll stand and it's just something that really makes a difference for me.
1: Yeah, it does.
0: So let's pretend now that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. Now, besides your books, what book would you choose?
1: The first one that popped into my head is "Free to Learn" by Peter Gray, and the reason I say this is because I really strongly believe every parent needs to read this book just to understand why schools are the way they are, uh, what, how humans actually learn versus how how we teach in schools. I mean, schools are not designed. I mean, not to get too political, but schools are not designed for learning. Really, they're they're designed to uh, kind of stifle creativity. I mean, it, like this isn't my opinion on this. Like this has been shown by research, and um, creativity is it's hugely important. It's a part of who we are. We're the literally the most creative species on the planet, and that we put. Every human, or the vast majority of them, through this series of years of effectively stifling who they are, it can be really harmful. And you got to be aware of that as a parent and as an individual student that you have autonomy. You have the ability to continue nurturing your own education and doing the work that you want to do. But it's really easy to forget that in the school system. So that that'd probably be my first pick.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely going to read that. Sounds very interesting. Now, I'd love to talk about how your day looks. I love hearing about people's morning routines and how they prime themselves for the day and set themselves up. So do you have a morning routine? And if so, can you talk us through it?
1: I tend to wake up at seven o'clock in the morning uh, just to be I'm trying to be very consistent about wake up time. I think it's important to get like in tune with circadian rhythm. So that's another thing that a lot of anxious people have off is their sleep schedule. They're going to bed way too late and waking up too early, not getting seven to eight hours sleep. Humans evolved to sleep seven to eight hours. And uh, if we didn't need that trait, we wouldn't have it. It would have been evolved out by now, but we need it. So I try and get a good night's rest, wake up at 7. Uh, I try and eat uh, a protein and fat-heavy breakfast, basically. So, like three eggs, uh, butter, avocado. That that really helps uh, kind of set the tone for the rest of the day. Um, I try and do a little light workout. So, maybe I go on a walk with <clears throat> my daughter and push her in her stroller. and get exposed to the sunlight, get the circadian rhythm thing aligned and and up. And then um, I'll I'll usually come back. And if I haven't planned out my day the night before, I'll sit down and kind of revisit that. I try and do a little bit of affirmations, uh, but I often forget those. Uh, I'll try to meditate for at least a few minutes just to calm myself down before I jump reactively into anything that could pull me away from my game plan for the day. I'll often forget meditation. Um, so every day is a little bit different, but that's like, that's my ideal routine. And I, if I'm lucky if I get 50% of it, so that's, that's my routine.
0: Mm, Thanks for sharing. At least the intention is there, hey. Right.
1: Yeah. What is yours, by the way?
0: I usually wake up. It depends. I have a 12-year-old bonus son and we have him one week on and then one week off. And so my routine kind of varies the weeks that we have him to the weeks that we don't have him. So the weeks that we do have him, I get up a little bit earlier. I get up around 515 15. And the first half an hour or 45 minutes of my day is dedicated to my time with my husband. So connecting with him, making love, you know, just chatting and, you know, laying in bed. Because I've found that when I start my day deeply connected with him, our day unfolds very differently. Because we go into he is a serial type A overachieving entrepreneur as well. And, you know, is the CEO of three companies and Once he gets into his day, he's in work mode. So we've got to like take this time for ourselves. So, you know, in the mornings is our sacred special time. And then I meditate for 20 minutes. I do movement and that varies what that movement is. Sometimes it's yoga, sometimes it's a walk, sometimes it's strength training It just varies, but I always move my body. I do a couple of other things like oil pulling whilst I'm like pottering around the house.
1: Oh, yeah. Do you find that helps ongoing? Like, have you noticed any difference?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I have. And people say I have very white teeth, but I definitely have noticed a difference in my health and in my gut health as well. It's, you know, it's another piece to the puzzle.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, oil pulling for those not familiar is swishing coconut oil for like 15 to 20 minutes in your mouth, right? And then spitting it out, of course. Uh, But what I forget the theory behind it, but it's an Ayurvedic method for keeping your mouth clean, right? And, And keeping your teeth clean.
0: Yeah. Well, we have like trillions of bacteria in our gums and teeth and it basically pulls all of that bad bacteria out. And then you want to spit it in the bin. Don't spit it down the sink because it will clog your drains. So spit it in the bin. And I add a couple of essential oils in there like clove oil, which is really great for bacteria. And then I do, sometimes I do some dry body brushing if I feel like it. We have a sauna in our house. So I have like, sometimes I'll have an infrared sauna. Sometimes I'll go down to the beach. We live on the beach. So I'll go for a swim in the ocean. And then some days those things don't happen. But for me, movement and meditation are daily non negotiables. Like it's imperative that, you know, th- those two things happen almost every single day. And anything else is like a bonus. I don't beat myself up over it. I used to. I don't anymore. For me, it's just like, you know, I do my very best. I also actually always say with my husband three things that we're grateful for it's the first thing that we say to each other in the morning we say good morning and then we ask each other what we're grateful for Sometimes I might do a little bit of journaling if I feel to and I also read my goals which are beside my bed every morning and night So I know it sounds like a lot but it's it's actually just it's not it really isn't
1: I love it that's great That's a great routine I get I, I tried oil pulling for a while. And I enjoyed it. I just was yeah, I was like, "I don't know if this is doing anything, so i might I might throw that back into the to the routine,
0: yeah, do it, and I just do it whilst I'm unstucking the dishwasher in the morning and whilst I'm having a shower, so you can do it whilst you do something else, like it's not like you just have to stand there and swish it around your mouth, like I do it whilst I'm cleaning the house and having shower and washing my hair and things like that, and you know it's something that you can, it's easy to do. So, speaking of health, in your opinion, I'd love to know what is one of the most important things that we can do today for our health? Just one thing, one little tip.
1: Honestly, if I had to pick anything, it would be to get eight hours of sleep. There's no easier way to improve how you feel than eight hours of sleep. And if you didn't get eight hours of sleep, take a 15 minute nap. Just lay on your back, close your eyes and breathe. For 15 minutes, you don't have to fall asleep, but like, just rest. Rest is the big one because we're just overstimulated. We're too reactive. People with anxiety have got way too much stimulation and uh, energy going on. So just rest.
0: Mm, I love that. And in your opinion, what's one thing that we can do today for more love in our life?
1: I like this one. So I'll give you one of my favorite exercises for this write down everything in your life that's stressing you out, right? Write all of it down. And it can be quick. It can be a few words each. Uh, You don't have to like say why it's stressing you out or, or whatever. But once you get to a point where you're like, all right, I think I've covered everything, write out that list again and say, I'm grateful for this thing because, and then fill in the blank and go through the entire list. And it will change your perspective on life. That exercise might even make you weep. Because we're so critical of of life. And we we tend to default to complaining about the things that aren't going our way. But that exercise is so easy and it really is transformative, but you got you to gotta write it. You can't just say it. You can't just think it. You have to write it.
0: Mm, I love that. Great exercise. I'll definitely be doing that one. And one more little rapid fire question for you. What is one of the most important things that we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life.
1: Wealth is is really kind of a, you're in a state of abundance and not want, right? We just acknowledging the fact that you are completely surrounded by like everything you need all the time, <laughs> like it just it just with nature alone. Like you you if you're listening to this, you have access to clean water, right? If you're listening to this. You probably have pretty easy access to three meals a day. Maybe not everybody, but a lot of us. You have access to all the wisdom in the world, in the history of human civilization, at the click of your fingers. Like This is not a tip to get more money in your bank account. This is a tip to just acknowledge the fact that you live in the most abundant period in the history of mankind. And it'd be a shame to just only exist in scarcity.
0: We have everything right here. And that's why I'm such a big believer in gratitude and really, you know, writing down what you're grateful for because we have everything at our fingertips. And another big thing that I'm a massive believer in is service. And I believe we are here to be of service to the world, to others. And so I'd love to know what's one thing that I personally and the listeners today can do to serve you? How can we serve you today?
1: If you happen to incorporate any of the things that we talked about, leave a comment on I take it there's going to be a post on this, right?
0: Yeah, we'll have show notes.
1: Go to Melissa's site, leave a comment about how you did that, and just let her and I know the impact that it made. I mean, we like it, it's hard to kind of think about <laughs> until you've experienced it, but the people that you listen to in podcasts and the authors that you read their books, like they don't know the impact they're making on your life. Like that's just a thing that they did once and they forgot about it usually. Right. So let Melissa know and let me know if you incorporated any of this and if it had a positive effect on your life or your friend's life or or whatever. Um, And then of course, uh, i can I can also say the books and and stuff, and I do a podcast as well. but really, i'm I'm mostly interested in impact. did Did any of this stuff strike a chord? And what's the story behind it? and share it?
0: Yeah. We will link to everything in the show notes. We'll link to your podcast and your websites and your books and everything. So anyone wants to go and check that out. That will all be in the show notes. And really good point because, I don't think people realize how important, you know, Amazon reviews are and iTunes reviews for our podcasts are. Like, you know, do you know how I get inundated with Instagram private messages of what my books have done for people? I have these long messages, people telling me pouring their heart out telling me how my book has changed their life
1: and you're like thanks do it on amazon
0: (laughs) yeah i'm like thank you so much thank you can you just copy and paste this and put it on amazon instead thank you so much because you know it does mean a lot to me coming to my private messages in my in my instagram inbox but you know like in order to inspire other people we need to have these these reviews out in the public Please, if you're listening to this and you've read either one of mine or Charlie's books, please leave an Amazon review. And, you know, if you are listening to this and you like this, please subscribe to my podcast and leave me a review so I know. And, and go and check out Charlie's podcast because, you know, I don't think people realize how important these reviews are for us, you know, to get our message out and to inspire and help and support other people. So um, thanks for mentioning that.
1: For sure. Yeah. So Melissa, I want to give you a tip that somebody just gave me. I was looking at your Goodreads page. You have 85 reviews. So 85 reviews and uh, for Mastering Your Mean Girl and 152 on Amazon. You can reach out to all the ones that reviewed your book on Goodreads and just ask them, hey, would you uh, mind posting that on Amazon? and you'll you'll probably bump that number of reviews on Amazon above 200 i would suspect.
0: Mm, Thank you for the tip. Thank you so much. Yeah. You know, there's also like a little bit of my inner mean girl, my ego that's like, oh, I don't want to ask. Like, is it annoying? Are people going to get annoyed? But please, if you're listening to this, please go and leave me a review on Amazon. It would really mean the absolute freaking world to me. And I'd be so deeply grateful. So there you go. I just mastered my mean girl and I asked and yeah, I've done it.
1: Very nice. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So before we go, I have one more question for you. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us? Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to talk about or any parting words of wisdom that you would like to leave us with?
1: Yeah. So, um, well, f- first I'll I'll make a quick addition to the previous question, which is my podcast is not under my name. It's called Author Hour, and I interview just authors and get the summary of their books. I, I get the best parts of their books. So if you don't have time to read, but you loved books, it's a good one to, to listen to on the go. Um, and to this question, do I have any parting things? Uh, I want to say that my my book, Play for a Living, I wanna give away three copies to your audience, but here is the condition they have to leave a story on uh, this the the post for this episode. They have to leave a comment telling the story of how either something they incorporated in this podcast impacted them, or... Um, no, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, so tell us how you use something in this podcast. Tell the story. Don't just get on and leave a one-sentence comment. Uh, thing like tell tell a real story and then we'll pick the top three and uh we'll we'll figure out how to get the books to you and we'll go from there
0: oh that is so awesome thank you so much charlie that is amazing and i just want to say thank you so much for writing your books and for giving us your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. You're such a beautiful human being and I'm so grateful for all of the wisdom and the knowledge and the inspiration that you've shared. And I've just absolutely loved connecting with you. So thank you from the bottom of my heart.
1: Yeah, likewise, Melissa, you are a beautiful human being as well. I really appreciate it.
0: I am definitely going to be upping my play game. I am going to be incorporating more play into my everyday life. So for me, I got a lot out of this episode. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app. Because like Charlie and I mentioned, this means that we can inspire even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, who you would like me to have on the show. And for everything that Charlie and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 95 and you can also check out all my other episodes there too and tell us what you thought of this episode tell us your story for your chance to win one of three books from charlie and also just a reminder that you can now order my second book open wide a radically real guide for deep love Rocking relationships and soulful sex. All you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your copy today. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, make sure you leave me a five star review in iTunes. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there is someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from listening to this episode, I know a ton, please share it with them right now. Take a screenshot, share it on your social media, on your Instagram, on your Instagram stories, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you have got to do to get this into their ears. And until next time. Don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.